0: Your trusted source for news and analysis about Chicago White Sox prospects and player development, covering the Major League Baseball draft and international market, plus the action in Kanapolis, Winston-Salem, Birmingham, and Charlotte. This is the Future Sox Podcast with your hosts, Mike Rankin and James Fox.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Future Sox Podcast. My name is Mike Rankin, James Fox alongside us. It's been a busy week in Chicago, especially surrounding the Chicago White Sox. As Pedro Grifol, the new manager, had been announced by the organization and Rick Khan During the press conference, he said a lot of great things. Things that we were hoping to hear from the next Chicago White Sox manager. It also sounded like that this hire was largely done... By Rick Hahn and the hiring committee. This was an extensive process. And the thing that really stood out to me was in the press conference, Rick Hahn acknowledged that Pedro Grafol, once he sat down with him and Chris Getz, that Grafau raised the bar and there was really nobody to match it. So Grafau is now a part of the organization previously of the Kansas City Royals and we have a guest today a special guest who's very familiar with Grafol and the Royals it's Alex Fuse welcoming Alex to the Future Sox podcast he is the host of the whole new Ball Game pod he co-hosts with Vinny Pasquantino a slugger for the Kansas City Royals and I'm I'm jealous Alex let's start there because <laughs> Vinny one, looks like he's going to mash in the league for years, but two, just to get the insight of a major league baseball player, uh, as consistently as you're able to has me jealous. So I'd love for you to just uh, share with our listeners how that came about
2: and what you learn on the day-to-day working with Vinny. Well, Vinny is one of my favorite people in baseball. You know, I, I consider him one of my best friends. Um, we've been friends for over two years now and how it started was simple. Um, I was a sophomore in college, and I was supposed to be the Burlington Royals, now the Burlington Sock Puppets play-by-play broadcaster back before they caught the 42 or however minor league team. So I was supposed to be their play-by-play voice in the summer of 2020. Um, Obviously, COVID hit, but I was still able to work with the team, and the then GM, Mikey Morrison, was like, Hey, Alex, we need content. This is in January of 2020. And he goes, why don't you interview past Burlington Royals players? And the first person I interviewed was Vinny. And uh, we just became really good friends. And we stayed in contact ever since. And then we've done the podcast for uh, two years. And I think we're trying to start it back up soon. He's got a lot of stuff going on this offseason. So we'll see what happens with that. But obviously, uh, still in contact with him almost every day. Just talking baseball and talking life and and whatever. But he's he's been a great person and a great friend to me.
1: So Alex Fuse joining us. You can follow Alex on Twitter at Alex Fuse. That's F-E-U-Z. He also hosts the Whole Story podcast. And we wanted to talk to you, Alex, because we needed more perspective on what the Chicago White Sox were getting in Pedro Grifol. And I, I mentioned it a little bit in the intro, but there was a lot of positive signs coming from Grafol when he was explaining just his fundamentals, what his philosophy is that he wants to implement with the Chicago White Sox on the day-to-day. What can you say about the mindset that Pedro Grifol is bringing and hoping to instill in his players?
2: Well, his baseball story starts all the way back in 1987 when he was a member of the USA Junior National Team, right? 1987 till 2022, he has the full-on definition of what a baseball lifer is. Between major league coaching experience with both the Seattle Mariners and the Kansas City Royals, he won the World Series on a coaching staff in 2015, went to back-to-back World Series 2014 and 15, of course, with the Royals, and he's learned from so many people in the game. Um, he he mentioned everyone that's just poured into his career in that first press conference between Gene Watson, who is now the VP and assistant GM there in Kansas City, George Brett, that's the reason why he wears number five all throughout his career if, if it's available to him, and obviously Dayton Moore, right? And we saw the impact that Dayton Moore had on Pedro Graffal uh, just yesterday with the impact he made in the community. I truly believe that Dayton influenced Pedro in that sense of giving back to the community and pouring into others, not just in baseball, but to that local community there in Chicago right away. Um, he was an all-star in the Cape Cod Baseball League. I know we want to touch on that. I worked in that league this past summer. Um that's how great of a college player and, and even a professional baseball player he was. If you look back at his college stats, I don't have him in front of me, but um, he was a phenomenal college baseball player. And to be a, a catcher all-star in the Cape Cod League back in, I believe it was the early 1990s, that says something about the player that Pedro Graffol was And Obviously, it's translated to the kind of coach he was and, and how successful he was w- with the success he's had in Kansas City and other organizations throughout his career.
3: Yeah, so Alex, I mean, you you interviewed Pedro Graffold last year on a Royals podcast, and I think, you know, some of that was getting played a lot here in Chicago when when Pedro was officially hired. And some of that stuff, you know, you know, talking about how he can't win a pennant in April, but you could definitely lose one. And I think White Sox fans liked hearing the stuff about homers, like just with you know, the way things have gone with this offense, like hitting for power is going to be something that they just have to do. So hearing Grafol's like mentality on that, I think was pretty important. What were, what were your takeaways um, after you interviewed Pedro Grafol on your show last year?
2: Yeah, pretty much the same, right? Like, like what you've heard so far from Grafol and the, the media and, and what he said in the press conferences, he's an intense person. You know, he wants to win, uh, but he also cares about other people. He he really does care not just obviously winning is important, but how you feel and, and to have a voice and what your picture wants to be in that organization. There's going to be a, the main goal to win a championship. And I just think in general that Pedro can bring that. And, and that just says something about the person. He wants to win. He wants to manage. And he's a person that's bet on himself. He's always wanted. I I know he said this the other day. You know, he's always wanted to manage in baseball, and he gets the chance to finally do so at the major league level, something he's always wanted to do. Yeah,
1: I love that. And, you know, you brought it up. Yeah, 2015, the Kansas City Royals win the World Series, and Ned Yost is the manager at the time, and he actually spoke to our radio station, 670 The Score, in Chicago and shared how important Pedro Grifol was as uh, a part of that coaching staff. And I'm just curious because... When we heard Pedro Graffol and Rick Hahn speak in the press conference, Han mentioned that there's going to be a different expectation in preparation. And I'd love for you to share some of the insight that you have on what you believe Griffol can provide in preparation and just anticipation when it comes to the day-to-day, inning-by-inning, pitch-by-pitch type of basis.
2: Well, first off, he's not going to leave a stone unturned, right? He's going to do everything and his power to make sure his players feel prepared to go out there and win every single night. Um, I was talking with someone about this the other day. Um, someone told me on the last game of the regular season, the Royals were 30 games below five hundred at the time. There was that sense that Mike Matheny and Cal Eldred were going to be gone from the organization almost immediately after the conclusion of that game. But yet, Pedro Graffol spent hours on game prep for that last game of the regular season, it was the Guardians versus the Royals. And that's the kind of guy you're going to get in Pedro Griffo. Even when you're out of it, and you could easily have just said, okay, we're just going to go out there and play a game, and it doesn't matter if we win or lose, and the season's going to be over. We've been eliminated for months now. That's not who he is. Uh, he still believes that the players need to be prepared and, and to, and, and he's going to do that and I think that's the kind of guy you're going to get no matter what he's going to be prepared every single night and he's going to lean on analytics you know he's going to make sure the players know what stats they need to be looking at and and how to apply that to a game to win that night
1: and just a quick follow-up there Alex yeah. because Griffel doesn't have actual experience as the manager at the big league level The preparation and philosophy, I'm all in. I'm buying into what Grafol is selling. However, what do you think of Charlie Montoyo, a former Major League Baseball manager as the bench coach of the Chicago White Sox, the impact of having somebody like that on the staff to help Grafol? And, I mean, even regardless, do you think that Grafol, with all the experience— is prepared to take on the challenges that being a manager brings, just being able to take care of what needs to be taken care of to win
2: baseball games? 100%. You know, Mike Matheny has said that he's believed Pedro Grifol ha- has been ready to be a manager for a long time, and Mike Matheny has had a lot of time as a as a manager at the big league level. And And I think that's important for someone to say in, in full confidence that he's believed that Pedro should have been a manager um, and, and he's been ready to be a manager for a long time now. Obviously, he doesn't have experience as a manager at the major league level, but you go back and you look at his time as a manager um, in the Venezuela Winter League and the Dominican Republic. He was the manager in the Venezuela Winter League from 2011 to 2014 and then in the, the Dominican Republic from 2018 to 2019. Um, and those leagues are a little bit different because they don't have the analytics in the resources of what the major league level has right now. Um, So he's had to learn how to manage in a different sense, but also he's been a minor league manager throughout his time too. Um, With the Mariners in 2012, um, he was a manager of the High Desert Mavericks California League then, as well as obviously all the different coaches' positions at the major level between the quality control coach, assistant hitting coach, hitting coach in 2013, the catching coach from 2014 to 2017 in Kansas City. So he's seen it all, and, and he can really just kind of take all of his past experiences between either managing in the minor leagues or in the winter leagues with a, a wide variety of different players, and he can kind of take all of his past experiences and then just implement at the major league level. And you mentioned Montoya. I, I think that's a critical hire for this staff. Um him and Pedro, to my knowledge, don't have a close friendship. Um, obviously, they've talked a, a, a couple a number of times now, but it's important that Montoyo has experience as a major league manager. And number two, he's come from organizations that have won. Um, and Montoyo and, and Graffol, even if they're not close friends per se, they're going to be really close working together. You heard Pedro what he said in the press conference. If if he's the smartest person in the room, then that's a problem, and I think that's what you're going to see at the eventual end of when the coaching staff is filled out. It's going to be a wide variety of different uh, career paths and, and baseball lives per se um, to where they can really all work together.
3: So I don't know how much you know if you've paid close attention to the White Sox, but you know they've you know they've had a lot of you know younger. Players that they've signed that they've, you know, expected to be core players for them that haven't really lived up to expectations. And some of it's because of injuries and some of it's just because they've underachieved. I mean, you have guys like Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert and Joan Moncada. How confident or comfortable should White Sox fans feel? You know, that Pedro Griffol is gonna be able to get through to those guys like in a similar fashion to, you know, what he did in Kansas City. I think it's well documented the relationship that he had with Salvador Perez and you know, even guys like Jorge Soler and along those lines. So should we feel pretty good about this hire like from that standpoint and get the best out of those guys?
2: Yes. I mean, Pedro won't say it, but he was kind of the mastermind behind the the rise and career success that Salvi has had in Kansas City. You know, obviously, he was a catching coach from 2014 to 2017. And you look back at at Salvi's career trajectory and as well as Jorge Soler. Uh, Mike Tozar also played a part of that, uh, but Pedro Cafal did too. Um, he has an ability to communicate with obviously the Latin players, but everyone involved. Every single player I've talked to in that organization, whether it was a Latin player or um, just anyone in general in that organization. They gravitate to Pedro, whether it was not, I mean, someone told me a few days ago that if they had a question about a rule, obviously you hope that a coach in the major league, especially a bench coach knows every single rule, but Pedro does. They, they said, I truly believe Pedro knows every single rule in the rule book at the major league level. And, and that's the kind of guy Pedro is right to, and the players always felt like they were prepared. Um, no matter who it was. So I think that's why you can have the confidence and he has the intensity. And I mean, the first word out of his mouth was almost communicate, right? That That's one of his biggest commu- communication skills. Um, that's one of his biggest skills. Obviously the leadership and the on-field instruction and the bullpen management and analytics. But communication is one of the key skills that Pedro will bring to the table.
3: So... There are lots of rumors that Mike Tozar, you know, he was like a special assignment hitting coach for the Royals. You just mentioned him. You know, it seems like he goes back a long way with Pedro Grafall. They were friends from high school and, you know, now they've coached together and he has kind of a, you know, a long history he worked with the Dodgers for a while and he's, you know, he's been with Kansas City. He's been credited, you know, with some of the resurgence of some of these offensive guys in KC. If he is coming to Chicago, you know, what what kind of a hire do you think that is and what can you tell us? and our listeners about Mike Tozar? Well,
2: I believe, and, and someone might correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it was either Mike Tozar or Mike Tozar's wife that went to kindergarten with Pedro. So this is how long they've known each other. You know, they competed either with or against each other all throughout high school and college. Um, they know they've been friends for years, right? These are two people that have spent a lot of time together. Um, and we'll see what happens. You know, I don't know whether or not he, he will come to the White Sox. I I believe he's still under contract with the Royals, obviously. So we'll see what happens there. But Mike Tozar has worked uh, closely with Manny Machado, Jorge Soler, uh, M J Melendez, now Salvador Perez. You know, he's worked with so many hitters. Yonder Alonso, um, obviously spent a lot of time with the Dodgers, right? But he lives in Miami, so a lot of the Latin players who live down there, they come over to Tozar's house in the offseason and hit with him. You know? and, and he's been an incredible voice and an incredible uh teacher. Obviously, a great baseball player too. Um, So, in general, if, if Tozar does end up going to the White Sox, he's going to be an incredible mind and, and work well obviously with Pedro and that team. And you look at the body of work between him and Grafal have done, have done wonders with hitters. So, I, I, I would be excited if, if you're a White Sox fan and Tozar is a hitting coach. I would 100% believe that those players can trust the minds of Tozar and Grafauld to really do wonders for them.
1: Well, Alex, you're selling our fan base, that's for sure. Uh, really appreciate all the insight. So I want to flip it to the Kansas City scene. Yeah. Because change in ownership, Matt Quatraro comes from Tampa, now the manager of the Kansas City Royals. Grafauld was a part of the Kansas City managerial search. What happened there? Why was it decided that Quattraro was the guy for the Royals?
2: Well, I think Mr. Sherman wanted someone from either the Guardians or a different organization, right? A lot of the people in Kansas City right now were there when Mr. Sherman bought the team. So a lot of the people in that organization, they were already there and as well documented in sports and in baseball and in other leagues that when a new owner comes in, it might not take effect right away, but eventually down the line, the new ownership will implement, you know, new people, his own people per se. Right. And I think that's what you're seeing in Kansas city. I don't know whether or not, let's say Matt Quattaro got the Marlins or white Sox or a different job. Maybe Pedro would have definitely gotten that job. I think he was definitely a candidate, right? He interviewed for the job. Uh, But I I think Matt Quattaro was Kansas city's guy just like Bruce Bochy was the Rangers guy, right? Um, that's what I perceive it as. And I think Matt Cotraro is going to do great things in Kansas City. One of the things I loved that he said in that press conference, and it was tough for me because I don't know if you guys realize this, but there was a span of, in one hour time, three different manager press conferences going on. Uh, at the same time, both uh, Skip Schumacher in uh, in Miami and then Matt Cotraro, press conference started within two minutes of each other. and Boom. Right after that, that's when the White Sox started. So it was tough for me to to catch a little bit of everything during uh, that Thursday morning. But what Matt Cotraro said about just listening to the players, and obviously analytics is a, a big part of this, but these players are humans. And we heard the same thing from Pedro in that sense, right? We're going to use analytics, but They're not robots. And it's interesting because obviously Pedro didn't know what Couture was going to say and and Couture didn't know what Pedro was going to say. But pretty interesting to to note that, yes, analytics is important, right? But sometimes we have to realize they're human beings and and there's a human element that has been missing the last few times um, over the years in baseball. You look at what the Phillies are doing right now. Dave Dombrowski has always said, Yes, analytics is important, but it's a human business. These are, yes, they're not just numbers on the back of a baseball card. Um, so it's pretty cool to see the the change as being implemented in baseball. But I, I think Matt Coutureau, at the end of the day, is a good hire in Kansas City. Dombrowski, what a career. You, know, you think a- about that, right? You hear that name and...
1: Just a lot of success. Uh, So let's continue on the Royals because, you know, we're looking forward to the AL Central. I think it's going to be a lot more competitive than uh, many anticipate because the Royals are going to be involved. And, you know, learning about the Royals more and more, there's been positive development, especially on the hitting side of things. How are you feeling about the future of the organization, given the changes and given the young core that they're able to put on the field on the day-to-day, but also touch on, if you could, the pitching side of the development in the Royals organization. How are you feeling about uh, the future of
2: the franchise? If I'm a Royals fan right now, uh, today on uh, November 5th, I, I think I have to be happy. Right? I think finally Um, The organization is getting up to date with a lot of things. Um, Obviously, they have a great hitting core between Bobby Witt Jr., Vinny Pasquantino, MJ Melendez, um, all the names. I know I'm forgetting a bunch between Michael Massey and uh, the guys that have yet to come up. Uh, Nick Lofton can be even thrown in there, right? Uh, And they still have guys at the major league level. I think we haven't really seen Hunter Dozier do what he is capable of doing uh, obviously, Salvador Perez is going to be savvy, right? I, I don't think that's a question. So it's pretty cool for me to to see the growth that they're doing. Obviously, you mentioned the pitching; I'll get to that in a second. But they have two of the best minds as of right now: Alex Zumwalt and Drew Saylor. Drew Saylor is still working on the minor league side. Zumwalt joined um, the major league coaching staff, as along with a uh, Mike Tozar, as well. Uh, when they made the 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 change at the hitting uh, with a hitting coach halfway through the season. Um, so obviously they have great coaches and, and they've been able to develop this new core at the major level with Kansas city. The pitching side is going to be interesting to me. Um, obviously Matt Cutraro said in his press conference that he's going to be a part of the same crew and the same, uh, group that brought him in and he's just joining it. And that's going to be the, the group that determines who the next pitching coach is in Kansas city. One person, if I'm a Kansas City Royals fan, I'd be praying that this happened. I, I think it's probably 1% chance, or likely, but Matt Blake, the pitching coach with the New York Yankees, his contract's up. So obviously Brian Cashman spoke on it a little bit. They want him back, but he's a free agent right now per se uh, as a pitching coach of the Yankees. So maybe perhaps Matt Blake goes to Kansas City. I don't know, uh, but that would be one person to keep my eye on. Obviously, I think they're going to go with a more uh, – a new age pitching coach. Right. Um, So we'll see what happens with that. I think uh, just the core that they have, there's a, there's a lot of talent there. Um, So if you are able to develop and get the most, I think Jonathan Heasley is a guy that is a dog on the mound. And I think we haven't really seen the true potential out of him yet. So a lot of these guys, maybe Chris Bubich will be able to turn things around. So, We'll see. You know, I, I think the Royals have the talent there. They just got to develop it.
3: So, Alex, you know, we really appreciate you joining us today. One thing that I, I had to talk to you about, you know, we cover the draft pretty extensively here at Future Sox. Mm-hmm. and Everyone always talks about the importance of the Cape Cod League for some of these players. So you know, what was your experience like working there? And I guess who are some of maybe the best guys that you saw on the Cape? It was
2: so much fun, right? Just imagine I, I got to spend over two months of my summer living on the Cape, right? I mean, I, I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. People I've talked to in baseball, when that opportunity came up, they're like, take it. You know, 100%, don't do anything else, but spend the summer on and, and, and be around that league. And it was something I will always cherish, uh, an experience I'll never forget. Um, and you got to see the best players play every single day. Um, our team, or the team I worked with, uh, didn't make the playoffs, we weren't that good of a team, but there was a lot of talent uh, between Blake Wright. He's the uh, starting second baseman at Clemson. He's a guy he's draft eligible this year um, to keep your eye on Max Anderson out of Nebraska. He's a guy, he was our everyday third baseman, but he kind of reminded me that the best comp I, I can give you with a Max Anderson is a DJ Lemayhu. And the reason why is I say he was a starting third baseman, but sometimes Harvey Shapiro, our manager there this past summer, he, max, he would try max everywhere. I think he played every position in the infield but shortstop. Um, so he, one day he was playing third, and he would make it like a gold-glove play over there at third base, but then the next day he would be starting that second base, and he would make a great play over there at second, and a highlight real one, and then he would play a lot of first, and he could pick it over there at first base. So he's a guy I think will be a top-two-round draft pick. Same with Blake Wright. I think there's a lot of talent between those two players, in Nebraska and, and Clemson. Um, I can't really speak to other teams because, you know, I, I can really only speak to the team that we had because I saw them perform every single night. I know some people would, oh, what about this player? And it's like, well, it's tough to scout per se or see the success of other players when you're only seeing them, you know, three times over the course of the summer. But so much talent, so much growth. Um, and the Cape Cod League is still the best collegiate baseball league in the country.
1: Yeah, it's re- it really is. And that's great uh, insight there, Alex. Thanks so much for taking the time to be with us on the Future Sox podcast. And what can we look forward to on what you're working on for our listeners?
2: Well, actually, I was just talking with someone um, earlier. Uh, I'll be having a Nick Hostetler on my podcast this coming week, uh, special advisor to uh, Rick and uh, They're in the White Sox organization. I'll be having a Nick on the podcast this week. So uh, stay tuned for that interview.
1: Wonderful. We uh, we are big fans of Nick Hostetler, so that'll be a lot of fun and we'll be listening and we'll be sure to uh, promote that podcast as well because I'm looking forward to listening to it. Thanks so much, Alex, for taking the time today. Anytime, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. Faster. Join more than three million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great Good to talk
1: to Alex Fuse. I have a feeling, James, that uh, he's going to make a name for himself in this industry. He's already built a lot of connections and he has information in Kansas City that is valuable. I liked what I was hearing. I think, you know, a lot of it is what we heard from Griffo and just hearing the consistent messages that are being sent from people around the or- the organization and people in baseball. It's, just, it's been pretty consistent that Griffo is
3: uh, the right hire. Yeah, it does seem like it. I mean, everything sounds good, right? I mean, I'm, I'm pretty intrigued by the, you know, the possible hitting coach personally. I mean, it just seems like, you know, a guy that's very plugged into the Miami baseball community and like knows a lot of people. Like, so, you know, it's just, it's, it's interesting. I'm curious to see like once that hiring becomes official, as I think we've kind of heard that it's going to be like some of the the outpouring of what people have to say about Mike Tozar. Cause I have a feeling that once that happens, we're going to, you know, there's going to be a lot of stuff on social media, just about people like praising that higher, in my opinion. So now the
1: organization's starting to take shape a little bit. We mentioned Andy Barkhead in the past. We interviewed him as the minor league hitting coordinator and Chris Getz, who's implemented a lot of the
3: modern analytical, bio, um, the biomechanics and stuff and all sorts of other stuff that Chris Getz has brought in i mean it seems like an organization that you know was very slow to change and he didn't come in and do it all at one time but it is definitely more like modern functioning on the minor league level than it's been since we've you know covered it and started doing this and the thing that's frustrating james about this whole thing is that it could have been done in 20 in 21,
1: like the off season 20 into 21. Like if you didn't hire Tony La Russa, you didn't have to waste the two years when you saw the plans in place, not only in the roster building, but just the development in the minor leagues and the commitment to the organizational stuff. You talk about biomechanics and the commitment to gathering data and, and helping players evolve. And we heard the human element stuff, but as we fast forward now, let's, I, I just can't get over the two years that was, but here in Chicago at this point, Charlie Montoya, the bench coach. Pedro Graffola, the manager. Kurt Hassler, who's been in the organization for an entire lifetime, essentially. And Ethan Katz is sticking around and Mike Tozar with, with all the praise that he has, plus the organizational consistency we see in the front office. I mean, can't help it. I, I'm feeling like this is a modern organization getting ready to take the next step.
3: Yeah, I hope so. And I think it'll be interesting to see like who the base coaches are like, and look like these guys aren't just first and third base coaches, right? Somebody has to coach these infielders and somebody has to coach the outfielders. And, you know, I think Pedro Grafol has, made it known that he's totally fine with being bad cop and they're going to be practicing and like doing all this other stuff. Right. But he does have to have lieutenants that he trusts to like do their jobs and we'll see how some of this works. But I mean, I think, I think the expectation is going to be that it's going to be quite different than it's been. And that's some stuff that we're not really going to see, right. We're going to have to get that secondhand from beat writers or, you know, from players or whatever. Um, But it's just like a small part of this thing that I find interesting, but obviously the next part is the hard part, right? Like the roster and figuring out the rest of that and who's going to actually play for this baseball team. I want to make sure that
1: when players make bad plays that are correctable, that it's not just swept under the rug and forgotten about and, and you just move on and the same thing continues to happen. I want to see improvement. I want to see correction. So that's, I guess, a baseline that we can begin with expectations in the new coaching staff. James, you mentioned it. GM meetings are coming up. Man, the offseason is about to take off. Rumors are swirling about players opting out and non-tender deadlines are approaching. The White Sox have 40-man decisions to make. What do you have on all of it?
3: Well, so the White Sox do have a pretty tight 40-man. I mean, so they have like three or four guys on their 60-day DL. I mean, you have, you know, Garrett Crochet and Danny Mendick and those guys like after the World Series concludes, you know, and as of this listening, like the World Series is, you know, concluded but you know those guys go back onto the 40-man roster so even with free agents leaving jose abreu vince velasquez johnny cueto you know you have elvis andrews like those guys depart you know you have a decision on josh harrison which seems like you know that's probably a situation where they won't pick up that option and then you have the aj pollock choice is completely up to him i mean the white Sox are going to have a roster that's right around 37 38 guys like before they do anything else, which, which I think is mostly fine, but that's the, you know, that's the immediate part of this. Right. And then there's like a whole bunch of guys who, you know, we've talked about on this podcast who are on the 40 man who might not be. So, you know, they do have some flexibility and they, you know, I think I called it fat trimming, which is, you know, kind of mean, but you know, it is what it is, but you know, and then a little bit later this month, they have to protect guys for the rule five that happens in, in December at the winter meeting. So it's uh, November's an interesting and jam-packed month full of transactions for major league clubs.
1: Well, it's especially exciting for people like you, James, to be monitoring all of these decisions. Typically, this goes through the cracks of maybe the casual baseball fan, but this is definitely an important time because it really does take Um, it starts to form the path in which you can kind of foresee what the front office wants to do and the decisions on tap. And here's where I want to go with this because you talk about second base and right field. I asked this a couple of months ago, is Oscar Colas an option right out of spring training to be the opening day right fielder? And also is there enough, in the system to say that you're comfortable with second base because you assume that Danny Mendick is a part of things. Now, uh, th- this is a guess. But if Danny Mendick is on the on the roster, what about Romy Gonzalez? And there are guys capable. Of course, we, we mentioned Leary Garcia and people uh, shudder, but he's not going to be playing every day. He might go back to what his intended role was uh, as they extended him in that three-year contract to be the 26th man essentially so you know these like bottom of the roster players are still around on the 26th man but there needs to be upgrades on the roster of course we know that but just specifically within those two positions James second base and right field Colas plus Romy Mendick Leary is that enough or do you foresee more?
3: I mean, I think there has to be some sort of outside addition. We've talked about this a lot. I think like Oscar Colas, I think is on the big league team in 2023. And I wouldn't be surprised if it's, if it's right away, but I mean, you know, like I expect AJ Pollock back. I think you need at minimum a platoon partner for him. So yes, that means like they do probably need to add a left-handed hitting outfielder. I think Adam Engel, um, you know, served his purpose, but he, you know, he kind of, you know, declined quite a bit last year. I don't think they'll pay him his third-year arbitration salary, so I think he's a non-tender candidate. So, yeah, I mean, I think they need a left-handed hitting outfielder regardless of Oscar Colas joining the team, and I do think he will. Second base is a little bit more tricky. Look, I mean, if they add another left-handed bat at second, you know, like a Colton Wong or somebody along those lines, I mean, I know, like, Whit Merrifield's right-handed. He has a relationship with the new manager. Like, whatever, right? Like, they could go outside the org for second, but, I mean, if you look at the 40-man, like you mentioned some of the options. Like, they have they have Romy Gonzalez. They have Danny Mendick coming back from injury. You know, Lenin Sosa was an option last year. You know, and then you have Jose Rodriguez, who he's going to get added to the 40-man here in a couple of weeks to protect from Rule 5. I mean, that's a guy who really took off in A. If he does similar to start the year and goes to Charlotte and hits at that place, like I mean, he could be in the big leagues too. So, you know, do you feel comfortable going into the season – with all of your cheap minor league type options and like one of those guys fill second maybe maybe they add i don't know but you know they do have like an entrance interest, an interesting infield blog jam of similar you know type guys that i don't think they're just gonna be discarding so you know there, there's there's a lot of options on the infield that kind of needs to shake out a little bit
1: Yeah, I feel good about the second base situation. I think they have options internally, and I say that knowing that they have to upgrade elsewhere, and I do hope they upgrade in the outfield, but I also know that they need help with the starting rotation. So, I mean, that's another thing, James. Like, I don't know how you feel about the pitching staff, I know there's a lot of money tied up in the bullpen and you're going to be paying uh, an increase to Dylan Cease and Lucas Giolito is going to cost quite a bit in arbitration as well. So, I mean, there's there's going to be money tied up in the pitching staff, but they need upgrades there as well.
3: Yeah, the the pitching can be a whole podcast, right? So, you know, they, they definitely need help. I think they definitely need help from the outside. And one of the interesting decisions is Garrett Crochet, in my opinion. Like, what do you do with Garrett Crochet? He obviously wants to start. Uh, Does that require him going down to the minors? I, you know, I don't know. I feel like they'd try to like patch it together or something. I just think, you know, that's a story for another day and another podcast, but he's somebody that we're going to be talking about this winter because I think he's a really important member of the organization. And I think they need to figure out, you know, like what his ultimate path is going to be and then like what they do this year in order to like get to that point. That's
1: James Fox, senior editor of Future Sox. He's also part of SoxMachine.com, as am I, Mike Rankin. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of the Future Sox podcast. We had a number of episodes going back to Jeff Farer. We welcome him on as a new contributor to Future Sox, and we were discussing all the hypotheticals leading up to the managerial hire of Pedro Graffal. James and I recorded a podcast reacting to the press conference, also incorporated sound from the presser, so go back and listen to that if you haven't already. We really appreciate Appreciate your support. Think about becoming a patron if you're able and willing. Go to socksmachine.com. That helps us produce the content that we're providing day in and day out at futuresocks.com as well as socksmachine.com. So we really appreciate all of the support, and we thank you for listening. As always, for James Fox today we had Alex Fuse on. Be, uh, be on the lookout for that name. Alex Fuse, the host of the Whole New Ball Game pod, as well as the Whole Story podcast. will be keeping an ear out for his interview with Nick Hostetler as well. My name is Mike Rankin. Again, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you all next Tuesday as we drop episodes every week on Tuesday.